Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, a long-standing driver shortage in the trucking industry is already making current supply chain issues worse. Now a number of industry concerns are coming to a head that could exacerbate the problem even further. We'll get an insider's view from Sherry Garner Brumbaugh, head of Garner Trucking and immediate past chair of the American Trucking Associations. Also this morning, he has gone from being one of the most controversial and divisive nominees in history to the Supreme Court's elder statesman, examining the 30-year tenure of Justice Clarence Thomas. And Fun Day Sunday is back. We have details on that and other November programs at the University of Findlay's Mazza Museum. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Thursday, November 4th, 2021. So this is an interesting story and brings up a question of, well, it's not really a moral question, uh, more of maybe an ethical question. I don't know. See what you think about this. I saw it on the Newswire and it, it really kind of I re- made me raise my eyebrow here uh, in New Zealand. And this is the question. Is it OK for the government to collaborate with people? in the underworld if it helps the greater good. A government minister's discussions with gang leaders in New Zealand led to seven of said gang leaders who represent four of the country's most well-known street gangs to make a video urging their communities to get vaccinated against COVID-19. The video was commissioned by the Minister for Maori development, a reflection of the fact that about 70% of COVID infections in New Zealand's current outbreak are in Maori and Pacific New Zealanders who make up only about 27% of the population. Central to what the gang leaders spoke about in urging people to get vaccinated was protecting family and their community, (laughs) which is kind of interesting because unless gangs are very different in New Zealand than what they are here, That doesn't seem to be a prime concern of most street gangs protecting family and their community. But that was the premise of the video. These gang members are creating videos encouraging people to get to to get vaccinated at the behest of the government. Criminologist Dr. Gerald Gilbert tells the New Zealand Herald it was brave for the government government minister to to do this, to launch this program, saying, quote, this is an example of what needs to happen if we're going to reach hard to reach communities by using people who are respected in those communities, unquote. So, so much to unpack here in this, in this story, um, not the least of which is <laughs> somebody referring to street gangs as respected members of the community. Again, Unless street gangs are much different in New Zealand than they are in this country, that and again, it circles back to that that question. Is it okay? Is it justified for the government to collaborate with criminals for the greater good? I don't know. You decide. But what do you think would happen in this country? And I'm not usually big on hypotheticals. Because I think that takes us down a a path where we end up arguing about things that have not happened or may never happen. So I'm usually very hesitant to engage in hypotheticals politically. But in this case, what do you think would happen if the Biden administration uh, produced videos encouraging people in South Central L.A.? to get vaccinated and collaborated with the uh, street gangs there. And, uh, you know, the street gangs known for their gun violence in the community and drug activity and all of that other stuff, collaborating with uh, with street gangs for the quote-unquote greater good. Can you imagine the political fallout that would ensue? Hmm. By the way, with uh, colder weather setting in, there are reported accounts of yet a new... COVID-19 variant surfacing in eight states. They are calling it the Delta Plus variant. 
They believe it may spread faster than the original Delta variant, but there are no reports that it causes more severe illness. And authorities say current vaccines do remain effective against it, so far as they know. But it's just now starting to rear its ugly head, so how would they, how would they know? I, not to question the science of it, but it seems premature to say that uh, the vaccines will still be effective against this one. We don't know. It's in eight states, um, and I don't know that Ohio is one of those states. The CDC estimates that the new variant accounted for less than one-half of one percent of current cases, but federal officials are keeping close track of any new reports. So there is that. Some of the other first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day get ready for those red cups at starbucks that's right holiday drinks are back at starbucks including fan favorites like peppermint mocha the toasted white chocolate mocha and the caramel brulee latte and there is a new edition this year kind of interesting it is starbucks first non-dairy holiday offering the sugar cookie almond milk latte so, non dairy, but plenty of sugar. That's what. We're By the way, there's also a new color uh, appearing with the red and white designs on the Starbucks cups lilac, which uh, spruces up the traditional design, they say. So, there's that. Also, this is big news and definitely one of the first things you need to know this morning to get your day started. The world's best cheese for 2021 has been awarded. A soft goat's cheese from Spain is the king of the king of the cheeses. Uh, it is called Olivi, o, o, Olavid, Olavidia, O-L-A-V-I-D-I-A, Olavidia. It beat out more than 4,000 entries from over 40 countries across five continents for the title of World's Best Cheese 2021. Got 103 votes as the top cheese, beating out the second place finisher by five votes. So it was a close one. Um, so can we call it the big cheese? I guess we can. Uh, British judge Jason Hines said the cheese had a rich, seductive, creamy texture. And uh, the uh, judge said it is quoted as saying he just wanted to get into bed with it. Well, OK. <laughs> maybe a little maybe a little more than we needed to know uh, as far as that goes. But definitely is uh, big news. We have a world's best cheese of 2021. Here's more good news to start your day. Chicken wing prices are coming down. The CEO of Wingstop says he is seeing encouraging signs that the market for wings is loosening after tight supplies earlier this year drove up prices. Charlie Morrison said on CNBC that prices are down almost 40 cents a pound from their peak. And that is encouraging news after Wingstop missed its third quarter earnings forecast. Uh, the uh, company has more than 1,400 restaurants in the U.S., nearly a dozen other countries, yada, yada, yada. But again, the bottom line, and this is the big news, the big takeaway from this, wing prices, chicken wing prices are coming down, which is very important because we're getting into the meat of football season, getting into the heart of football season, those uh, important games uh, in in December that will decide the playoff races and all of that. And we certainly do not want to be short on wings when that time of the year rolls around. And finally, this morning, among the first things you need to know on this Thursday, November 4th, it is already Black Friday. That's right. At Walmart, it is already Black Friday and will be through tomorrow. The uh, retailer's giant Black Friday deals for Dale deals for days sale launched yesterday. The deals continue through tomorrow, both in stores and online. It is the first of three Black Friday deals for days events this month. Uh, deals include big screen TVs, toys, coffee makers, and tires. 
That's what I want for Christmas. Just give me a set of tires. Just give me a set of new tires. That's what I want. Um, But hey, in a year like this with supply chain issues and empty store shelves, beggars can't be choosers. You're going to get tires, you'd be darn happy. So there you go. Uh, Some of the first things you need to know to get your Wednesday, Thursday, I'm sorry. (laughs) Maybe the first thing you need to know is what doggone day it is. Uh, It is... (laughs) First things you need to know to get your Thursday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast, partly to mostly sunny today with a high of 48, partly cloudy tonight with a low of 30. The Fostoria Police Division says two of its cruisers were involved in a crash while responding to a call. The police department says officers were dispatched to a report of a fight between multiple people at around 6.30 Tuesday night. While on their way to the scene, two cruisers crashed into each other at the intersection of North Street and Main Street. Neither officer was injured in the crash. The Ohio State Highway Patrol was requested to investigate the crash. As the Supreme Court prepares to hear arguments over a Texas law that essentially bans all abortions in the state, Republican lawmakers in Ohio are looking to follow the Texas example. Two Ohio lawmakers introduced legislation that could effectively end all abortions. It's modeled after a similar measure down in Texas. Clinics, doctors, and others who facilitate abortions would face large financial penalties. Those penalties would come from lawsuits that citizens could bring against them. Remember, the Texas law is written to circumvent Roe v. Wade. That's ONN's Clay Gordon reporting. Get more on our website. Governor DeWine and First Lady Fran DeWine were both exposed to two staff members who recently tested positive for COVID-19. DeWine's office confirmed the news in a press release. It reads, quote, both of the DeWines have been fully vaccinated and received their boosters and have tested negative for COVID at this time and have no symptoms, unquote. As a result, neither of them will participate in any previously scheduled in-person events through Sunday. Both also will continue to be tested daily for COVID. Dave James, I went in news. It's no shave November for the Finley Police Department. And in return for officers being able to have no shave November, uh, they have to make a donation to bluehealth.org, which supports law enforcement officers and families dealing with law enforcement suicide. As Officer Brian White mentioned, for a financial contribution to bluehelp.org, officers can refrain from shaving during the month. Typically, their uniform policy dictates that on-duty officers may only sport a mustache. Learn more about bluehelp.org on our website. And get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. You're listening to Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Now, our cover story this morning, obviously, we have all heard about the supply chain issues that are clogging and bogging down the economy. Get an insider's look at one of the key components of those supply chain challenges, and that is the uh, shortage in the trucking industry. Sherry Garner-Brumbaugh is with us uh, this morning from Garner Trucking, of course, the immediate past president of the American Trucking Associations, and what a year to be president of the American Trucking Association. Right. Yes. I. Uh, good morning. Uh, officially the, the chair of the, the American Trucking uh, Association. Yes. Uh, so that's uh, the board uh, of uh, truckers across the country that serve the Trucking Association. Obviously, you could not have predicted uh, those challenges no. that you would be facing when you took over as a chair. But how challenging was it to, to right. navigate those issues, uh, the kind of year that 2020 was? Yeah, it pretty much shut down everything. The The typical uh, you know, travel schedule that mm-hmm. the chair would, would do, meeting with uh, trucking associations across the country, organizations that pretty much stopped um, most most of my my uh, year as chair. But the work, you know, Congress didn't shut down. Right. Governments, there was still sure. work to do. Right. Uh, we we had a a change in administration, mm-hmm. so uh, that you know the. The issues still remain. Yeah, well, and and it was interesting because uh, during that year we saw we started to see this huge supply chain shift as uh, people were starting to shop from home more, and when they did go out, they were uh, you know panic buying you know these things, mm-hmm. and there were uh, challenges in getting products to the stores, and that mm-hmm. all obviously comes down to trucking. I thought one of the most interesting things uh, of 2020, one of the most interesting stories uh, for the 
uh, transportation industry or truckers are having trouble uh, out on the road, finding places to go to the bathroom and get something to eat and, and because oh, things were uh, closed. It was awful so. in, in end of March, April in 2020 when it you know really hit yeah. and they shut the rest stops down in Pennsylvania. Just shut them, just closed yeah. them. And that's a big state. It was a huge, <laughs> and we travel there daily. I yeah. mean, I have 20 to 30 trucks run through that state on mm-hmm. a daily basis. And with the American Trucking Association and with our connection to that state, we were, you know, I, I got on the phone. One, our drivers called, literally our, our drivers, Garner yeah. drivers called and said, I got no place to I be. Pl- and I'm no place to go. <laughs> and we were able to, yeah. I, I, I made that direct call to DC and we were able to, to yeah. say, hey, you know, you, you can't do this. Now, for years, uh, the the industry, and I know we've talked about it with you uh, on the program before, you've been saying that this, uh, this shortage, if mm-hmm. we did not address this shortage of uh, drivers in the industry, that it was going to cause problems. Mm-hmm. Not sure that we could have predicted it would manifest itself like this with everything else that's going on, but... Here we are. Right, right. It's it's a combination of things. It's a combination of a bad cocktail, really. I mean, you the shortage of the ports, the shortage of equipment, right? Uh, the shortage of uh, manpower, the shortage of warehousing uh, at, the, at all of our ports. But uh, the driver shortage. We have been talking about driver shortage for twenty years. Mm-hmm. This is, you know this has not happened overnight. Uh, we've had a uh, labor shortage trying to get folks into our industry for a long time. One of our barriers, you can't uh, be an interstate truck driver until you're 21 years old. So there's this this gap from high school to 21 mm-hmm. where, you know, this work history uh, happens that, you know, they they find another career. Yeah. So there's, there, you know, it, it becomes often a second career. And so it, it's hard to get those folks attracted to the industry. What about there? There are those who, who say that this is not so much a, a driver shortage as it is a driver retention problem. H- has the industry uh, done enough or could you do more to retain the drivers that you have to keep drivers behind mm-hmm. the wheel? Interstage right infrastructure bill. Imagine trying to make a living on this crumbling infrastructure that our drivers uh, you, you 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 experience it every you know every day you know when we go out uh, and maybe travel to Toledo or Chicago and all of the construction that is happening it's mm-hmm. good construction but it's a lot of construction and if we were working at it if we had the funds uh, that were you know that could come from our federal government to the states on a regular consistent basis mm-hmm. we could fix this crumbling infrastructure and certainly that is very frustrating to a truck driver trying to make a living tied up in traffic just think about crossing the Bent's Prince the yeah, Bent's Bridge down in Cincinnati say yeah. that a hundred times yeah across Cincinnati I yeah. mean it, it, it's such a bog. If you've ever driven uh, past that, it can be backed up in the middle oh, of the afternoon yeah. for oh. for no apparent reason. Oh, and of yeah. course, uh, that that bridge has had its uh, its issues uh, for a long time. Just mm-hmm. as as one example, and and along those same lines, you talk about the fact that there are a number of issues kind of coming to a head right now in Washington. Infrastructure bill uh, that is sort of a stop and start sort of thing. Um, We don't know whether we're going to get a vote on that. Again, they're talking about maybe voting this week on that bipartisan infrastructure bill, but it may or may not happen. Who knows? In the meantime, the funding has uh, expired as of uh, October 31st. Um, And, uh, you know, then the vaccine mandate, uh, which obviously, you know, affects your business as well a lot of things going on right now legislatively that you're watching very closely yeah let's let's take a hundred dollars and go to vegas and we have a better chance of winning in vegas as getting an infrastructure bill bipartisan (laughs) uh, if it was bipartisan it would have passed but the progressive democrats are holding it hostage because of the build back better uh and even if that wasn't in play i I fail to agree that it is bipartisan. It was bipartisan when it came out of the committee, mm-hmm. but it isn't now. So it would have passed by now if it if it had uh, bipartisan support. But it is uh, it is quite needed uh, as absolutely you know from from your industry standpoint. And again, we all see it. Uh, 
uh, on a daily basis mm-hmm. on a smaller scale, but this is your Th- this bread is and huge. butter. This and, is your life for life. And they're, go- they're going to put what's excellent about what is good about this bill. They are putting more money into the highway trust fund more, so much more than they ever have before. Mm-hmm. That's great for our industry. 37% more. Understand this is a $1.2 trillion bill. T with, you know, trillion with yeah. a T. Yeah. Uh, but that money's coming back to the states, and but that will provide funding, less tolls, less increased fuel surcharge. So that's all good for the states. And if that doesn't happen, the states are going to find a way to come up with money because uh, to fix their roads and bridges because their constituency are going. It's going to have to happen. It's going to happen. And and we see what happens when the supply chain breaks down. Uh, we That's could expect right. more of these kinds of mm-hmm. bottlenecks. Well, uh, in the industry future. comes to uh, consumers and businesses come to good infrastructure. And Finley's a prime example yeah. of that. You, uh, It's interesting. I saw a report uh, and we were talking about driver retention and, and, and driver recruitment. Um, and you, you mentioned the interstate uh, driver requirement of 21. I saw a report that the uh, president is considering relaxing those requirements and uh, increasing apprenticeship programs to get people into the, uh, the business. Is it enough? Well, this was, this, this was ready and teed up to go under the Trump administration, and they didn't get it done. It was a FMCSA. It was a pilot program. They have a military pilot program from 18 to 20-year-olds. They have five individuals in that. So they, we want to open it up to non-military. And in the infrastructure bill now, there is language, it's called the Drive Safe Act, that allows 18 to 20-year-olds to drive a pilot program. Uh, this isn't going to happen overnight. Uh, the insurance industry wants assurances that that demographic can drive safely. Mm-hmm. Understand, too, in the Drive Safe Act, if you're 18, 19, 20-year-old, I, as a trucking company owner, I have to have increased safety equipment on the vehicles that those individuals drive. I also have to give that individual more training, more hours of training with a qualified, certified, experienced driver. Mm -hmm. These individuals are going to be well, well trained, much more prepared than their predecessors. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm a huge proponent of it. Yeah. Aside from that, again, when you talk about uh, easing the the uh, problem of a lack of, of drivers uh, to get those trucks on the road, get products where they need to go, get goods where they need to go, is it is it all uh, about this is a different this is a different type of career than it's not an office job. It's not where you come in nine to five. Um, and so I'm wondering, are there other things Aside from salary, you mentioned obviously infrastructure. Uh, you know, getting drivers smoothly from point A to point B makes it very efficient to to earn a living. But are there other uh, things that that out of the box type of thinking that that the mm-hmm. industry can do to address this well, problem? Well, it, it it is a non traditional, as you say, is yeah. not a nine to five, mm-hmm. but it does allow flexibility for family family time too. It's our job uh, as trucking company owners to make sure that we find that type of work that works for the individual's families so that they can provide for their families, men or women. This is what I love about the industry, too. Mm -hmm. We are attracting a lot of women to the industry, making wages comparable to, uh, you know, the uh, to their male counterparts. So it's, uh, you know. The opportunity to have flexibility in their life that they can start on a Monday and end on a Friday or start on a Sunday and end on a, you know, it, it, it's allowing that flexibility and to see the country and to have pretty much command of their day. Emphasizing too. those perks are going to be a key to. Mm. So uh, I guess we would be remiss without mentioning that you are actually out there recruiting drivers right now. Oh, absolutely. We have some beautiful black Garner trucks. I drive by <laughs> I drive by your location all the time and I see the signs. We're hiring. You can be a director. You got them all uh, out there. So yeah, you're constantly hiring. It, it is. Uh, and it's our job to make sure that we take care of our folks and their families. Uh, Garner is much bigger than, than you, you know, my, my management team. And we realize that and providing good benefits, providing good wages, 
uh, so that they can uh, live a good life and enjoy the things that they enjoy. Again, uh, Sherry Garner Brumbaugh, uh, Garner Trucking and uh, immediate past chair of the American Trucking Associations. Sherry, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Some insight. He has gone from being one of the most controversial and divisive nominees in history to the Supreme Court's elder statesman. Uh, we mentioned earlier in the week that Justice Clarence Thomas marked his 30th year on the Supreme Court. And joining us this morning, talk about that uh, most interesting tenure, uh, this interesting 30 years that it has been for uh, Justice Thomas, is Dr. Scott Gerber, uh, professor at the uh, Ohio Northern University uh, Pettit School of Law and, of course, Associated Scholar of the Brown University Political Theory Project. And uh, Dr. Gerber, prior to Clarence Thomas, really interesting, if you look back 30 years uh, to his nomination, as we mentioned, one of the most uh, controversial and divisive uh, nomination process, uh, processes in modern history, uh, prior to Justice Thomas's nomination, it, it seemed there was less blatant partisan fighting uh, over Supreme Court nominees. Uh, his nomination kind of opened the door to what much of what we have seen since uh, with many of these justices. Um, I actually think it started with Robert Bork a little bit earlier. Um, Very when true. President Reagan nominated Bork, and but that seemed uh, like but that seemed like it was more of a philosophical uh, type of uh, of objection as opposed to Clarence Thomas, where the the objection and the uh, everything that he went through had very little to do with his views on the law and more so with his personal. Uh, shortcomings yeah but he was opposed uh even before the anita hill allegations and he was opposed for example by the naacp because he uh had given speeches uh, when he was the head of the eeoc mm -hmm. opposing um uh racial preferences yeah and so the naacp didn't want an african-american nominee who opposed racial preferences, especially if that person was going to fill Thurgood Marshall's seat. Yeah. So he had been opposed. It just really went off the rails with the Anita Hill allegation. Yeah. Still, it, it seemed to open the door to the kind of uh, nomination fights that we have seen, certainly uh, most recently. That said, uh, if he were nominated today, uh, you have to wonder, would he have been confirmed? I mean, the way we view the Anita uh, Hill allegations, allegations like that 30 years later is very different than it was at the time. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, hindsight's always, uh, you know, a, a strange way to look at things. But right. if people knew how competent he is, uh, they would have confirmed him because he is in a very impressive judge 30 years of a of just a really impressive track record even law professors um who opposed him concede how uh sophisticated he is as a theorist they might not like the direction his opinions go occasionally mm -hmm. right um but he's proved himself i'll just say that and and he has been very consistent uh in those uh in those views uh that he has taken uh, over the course of of many years uh, on especially issues involving race, um, he doesn't uh, he doesn't twist with the wind, or he doesn't you know uh, his views are his views regardless of what the uh, political uh, and, and social uh, how those social winds blow. Correct, he's very principled, and the title to the book I wrote about him is actually called First Principles. So yes, he's very principled, and one of the most um, uh, dramatic speeches he ever gave was a number of years ago to the um, National Black Lawyers Association, uh, where he was invited and then disinvited and then reinvited. And in the speech, he said that he's entitled to thank for himself. And simply because he's a black man doesn't mean that he has to agree with 
the way other African Americans feel about civil rights questions, especially affirmative action. It, it is really interesting that uh, we, he reaches his 30th uh, anniversary uh, on the court, and uh, as we mentioned, he is today the elder statesman, the longest tenured uh, member of the Supreme Court, uh, and this anniversary comes at a time when uh, racial issues and social justice are front and center uh, in society uh, and in law, in many matters of law as well, and you and you recently wrote a, a piece for the uh, Liberty Law Journal uh, talking about his unique view uh, of the of those racial issues uh, on an individual level uh, as opposed to a group level. And kind of for the lay person, explain that difference. Okay. Well, um, he, he he traces his views about civil rights to the Declaration of Independence and its commitment to the ideal that we all are equal, regardless of skin color, regardless of gender, regardless of religion and and things like that. And so when he became the head of the EEOC, uh, obviously that's the anti-discrimination federal agency, and so he immersed himself in the literature about discrimination, and he, he came upon this idea about the Declaration of Independence defining what equality is uh, in the American system. And it's one of, we're each supposed to be judged as individuals, not as members of a group. And he's been consistent on that uh, throughout his whole uh, governmental career, including on the Supreme Court. And so that's why he thinks uh, racial preferences are unconstitutional, because they treat people as members of a group, rather than as individuals. And he has carried that view uh, toward all types of uh, groups that are uh, seeking or, or looking at protected statuses, uh, not, not just uh, African Americans. Correct. Right. He, th- he thinks that we're all individuals, and if, we can, uh, if we've been discriminated against, in an individual capacity, mm-hmm. the law uh, protects us. Uh, but just because um, you know I'm a white male, just because I'm a white male, doesn't mean that I necessarily have been discriminated against. If I can prove in particular circumstances that mm-hmm. I have been, yes. And the same would hold true with um, sexual orientation and identity and gender and all these anything else based characterization yeah uh, interesting that uh, he goes back and and cites the declaration of independence as the basis uh, for that because so often we hear about uh, the constitutional merits of uh, you know this law or that law or this idea that idea um, is he unique in the way he uh, looks even before the Constitution to the Declaration of Independence, uh, citing that as uh, a basis for an opinion? He's unique as a judge, absolutely. Um, there had been judges in the early 20th century who had alluded to the Declaration of Independence, but none had ever used it as uh, what we call in law the rule of decision, mm-hmm. uh, where instead of citing necessarily a pre- prior Supreme Court precedent, He'll invoke the Declaration of Independence. And so, yes, he's, he's unique on that. And that's why uh, in the little piece that you posted that I wrote uh, yesterday that you posted on your website, yeah. I, I argue that uh, he's probably the most important Supreme Court justice of all time. And my reason for that is because of his emphasis on our founding document, the Declaration of Independence, And if you look at the 18th century, Jefferson was the most important figure on that document. He wrote it. If you look to the 19th century, it was Abraham Lincoln, and he used it to address slavery. If you look to the 20th century, it was Reverend King. He used it to advance civil rights in Mm -hmm. I Have a Dream. And now we're in the 21st century, and Justice Thomas talks about it in speeches but he also cites it in Supreme Court opinion. Well, and that was uh, actually what I was going to ask. I mean, uh, where would you put uh, Clarence Thomas uh, in the hierarchy of uh, modern-day jurists on the uh, on the Supreme Court? Uh, sounds like, to you, he's right up there at the top. Yeah, absolutely, because he's been there 30 years. He's written sophisticated, originalist opinions, 
on every aspect of constitutional law. Every one, because he's been up there so long. And now it's not just concurring and dissenting opinions anymore. It's, you know, an occasional majority opinion. And because he's been on there so long, some of his law clerks are now lower court judges. And (laughs) so they're influencing the law from the Court of Appeals, for example. So so absolutely. That's uh, very interesting. Certainly uh, a long legacy. And uh, based on, on where it all started, I'm not sure that we would have uh, anticipated that 30 years ago. Uh, again, uh, Dr. Scott Gerber with us uh, this morning, the Ohio Northern University Pettit School of Law, Associated Scholar, the Brown University Political Theory Project. We've got the uh, link up to that piece that we referenced uh, on our webpage, goodmornings.net. Dr. Gerber, thanks as always. Uh, appreciate the time. You're welcome, Chris. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veteran Services. And, you know, when we say public service, it, re- it really is, as it turns out. I, uh, I That point was driven home to me, is a true story, on uh, Tuesday uh, when I went to vote, on my way out, one of the poll workers uh, stopped me and said, you got to give me the update. What was the broken news today? I've been, I've been working here at the polls. I didn't catch it. <laughs> so I had to give him an, <laughs> a recap of the uh, broken news because this is very important stuff. Everybody wants to know about this. Uh, <laughs> definitely very important uh, stuff. Here is today's broken news. Crazy story. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen something crazy happen on an airline flight in any of the times that you've traveled, uh, but this takes the cake. A passenger left travelers stunned after he was caught giving a friend a tattoo <laughs> during the flight. The man was caught using a tattoo gun while the plane was landing. Uh, the video posted uh, to Instagram uh, with the uh, caption, thoughts and prayers for no turbulence. <laughs> no kidding. The uh, video shows man using a tattoo gun on his friend's hand, although it isn't clear uh, what he was drawing. Uh, leaning his hand on the tray table, large puddles of ink are seen splattering all over it. <laughs> the video filmed by another passenger uh, joked, uh, this guy was getting in some getting in some tight and clean line work on his friend while the plane touched down. Now that is uh, that's either brave or stupid. One or the other. I'm not sure, but crazy. Elsewhere in the uh, broken news, an Amish man is under arrest after police found about 25 pounds of pot in his home. <laughs> A little marijuana growing operation right there. (laughs) So much for eschewing all of the uh, modern uh, conveniences. Uh, Lawrence County, Tennessee sheriff's deputies executed a search warrant at the home of Chris Appleby earlier this week. Sheriff's department posted a photo of what the search allegedly turned up on Mr. Appleby's property, which in addition to the marijuana included at least 10 guns and uh, lots of cash. So... <clears throat> Not exactly living the simple life, I guess. In that case, a Kentucky teacher is uh, facing DUI charges after being found passed out in his truck in the school parking lot. <laughs> Christopher Herod is a teacher in uh, Anderson County, Kentucky. He was seen in his vehicle parked at the Soffel Elementary School, he has been suspended without pay. (laughs) Not a good example for the younger generation, I guess. Portland, Oregon, a man is in custody after he stole a pickup truck in downtown Portland with the truck's owner hanging onto the ladders mounted on the roof rack. (laughs) The suspect sped that what a uh, interesting sight that must have been as the suspect sped through several miles of city streets and freeways, all with the owner of the truck hanging onto the ladders on the roof rack. Police are trying to develop a plan to safely stop the truck when the driver slowed at an exit and the owner jumped into the bed of the truck and then onto a grassy area by the side of the road, uh, which that is amazing. I mean, you see that in like action movies, but to see it in real life and he apparently wasn't hurt at least not seriously the driver went down a dead-end street and police cornered him arrested 36 year old jacob sofer for robbery kidnapping and other charges yeah he's not only facing 
uh, charges of uh, robbery uh, for stealing the truck, but kidnapping because the owner was in the truck at the time or on the truck at the time. Is in big trouble. And how about this in the uh, broken news? Imagine thinking you were about to be robbed only to find out it was a wild animal instead. Um, that's exactly what happened to one couple in Italy. This is a story in, on Facebook. Annalisa Castagna recalled the moment that she and her husband, Claudio, encountered a bear on their balcony. Not knowing what was out there initially, they went to investigate and they heard strange noises. They thought they were being robbed, so they went to go to investigate, only to find themselves in a close encounter with a bear. She said, we were face-to-face less than three feet away. The woman shared that she was so close, she could count all the teeth in his mouth as it roared at her. Ooh. While... Uh, Annalisa fled inside to safety. Her husband had to jump off the balcony to safety and is now recovering from uh, related injuries. As for the bear, it ran off probably back to where he came from, she said. Wow. That's uh, that's kind of crazy. You're thinking, there's a burglar out there. And it turns out it's a bear. My goodness. There you go. Uh, that is today's Broken News Report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. The Finley Trojans play here on WFIN. This is Tim Montgomery. Join me and Coach Cliff Hype for all the action of Trojan football in 2021. We'll bring you every exciting play each Friday night, all season long, home and away. Up next for the Trojans on Friday night, the regional quarterfinals against Dublin Kaufman. Pre-game at 6.30. Finley Trojan football is here on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. How well did you get along with your uh, brothers and sisters when you were younger? Sibling rivalry is, of course, very common among children. But a new survey finds that most people continue to measure themselves against their brothers and sisters well into adulthood. This is a poll of 2,000 adults with at least one sibling finds that 51% still have a competitive relationship with their brothers and sisters. Um, Many times it's career goals, home ownership. Those are two of the top uh, areas of competition, according to the survey, 26 and 22% uh, respectively. Another 20% still argue over who is their parents' favorite in the family. (laughs) Uh, 20% constantly strive to outdo their sibling in the kitchen. Uh, Other areas that brothers and sisters keep battling over into adulthood, their vacation destinations, who drives a nicer car, and their skills as a parent. Um, Just just under one in five, 17% report that they have had a rivalry with their siblings at every stage of their lives. Interestingly, though, Even more, 43% believe this competition heightens each year around big gift-giving holidays, birthdays, Mother's Day, Christmas. This one-poll survey also finds older siblings tend to be more competitive and more successful, and older sisters are more competitive than older brothers are. So that was kind of interesting. It's not always a bad thing, though. 15% told researchers that their sibling rivalry has motivated them to achieve more in their careers. And about 20% say that their personal sibling rivalries have helped them achieve more in life. So uh, 25%, one in four, believe that that competition is a healthy aspect of a sibling relationship. That said, one-third admit that they have stopped talking to a brother or sister for a period of time over a disagreement. So that sibling rivalry has led to uh, being estranged from a sibling, at least for a time. Interesting data all the way around. So coming up, Fun Day Sunday is back this weekend. 
Uh, that again is a uh, program doesn't happen during the summer months because the uh, the students are uh, off campus and such. But uh, the uh, University of Finley's Mazza Museum uh, back at it, and uh, Ben Sapp is uh, with us uh, from the uh, Mazza Museum. Now, Fun Day Sunday, uh, it's a long-standing program. How many years has this been? I mean, it's like forever. Yeah, it's, it's been like, going on for uh, fifteen some years. Yeah, um, and last year uh, they were virtual events, uh, and at least for the time being, uh, they will still be virtual events rather than actual uh, in-person correct uh, events. Uh, the one uh, this weekend on Sunday at 1 o'clock will be uh, provided in a virtual format. Our hopes is that in the future uh, that we'll be able to uh, be back in person uh, and we'll be sure to let everyone know when. Yeah. As, as we were talking a little bit before we went on, uh, you are doing some in-person programming and, and uh, in-person people can come into the, uh, into the gallery and so on. Um, but this is just a little, uh, a little much right now for a bunch of kids to be gathering. Right. So. Normally we have approximately five to 600 uh, people, families with children yeah. uh, on a Sunday afternoon. That's a lot of people. So. And uh, right now feel the best uh, for everyone and safety is to do it in a virtual yeah. format. Better safe than sorry. So what is the uh, topic for this month's uh, Fun Day Sunday? So this Sunday, Fun Day Sunday, is Wild Ohio. Okay. Uh, starts at 1 o'clock. And uh, you can go to our uh, Maz Museum website to uh, register for that. But you'll see live animals, you'll do uh, fun, creative art projects, uh, you'll sneak into the Maz Museum vault and get to see some things there, Ooh. Uh, and also the STEAM, the new STEAM edition, uh, the Conda STEAM edition at the University of Finley, you'll get to see uh, a bit of that as well. Okay, so you can do some things in the uh, virtual realm that you wouldn't necessarily. I, you wouldn't take all of the kids into the uh, into the vault. <laughs> Correct on a on a normal fun day Sunday yeah. that would not be one of our stations. So uh, so you can do some things uh, that are a little unique uh, to that. And uh, again, it's it's all uh, online. So is there a link on the uh, website? Then is that there how is. it works? Yeah, okay. there's a registration link uh, on our website, uh, and you can also if you miss it. At one o'clock, you can come back and see the recorded sure. version at any time into the future. Yeah, so that's uh, another uh, benefit. So that's coming up uh, this Sunday, uh, Wild Ohio, in the uh, first uh, Fun Day Sunday uh, of the year. And then uh, you also have this is a big month for the uh, for the Mazda Museum. Yes, we You've got a virtual uh, weekend. Your weekend conference again is uh, is another virtual event coming up. What next weekend? Right, right. next Friday, uh, November twelfth, and Saturday, November thirteenth. We have six different author illustrators from all over the, the country, actually the world. Uh, one is an international illustrator, mm. and um, they will be joining us in a virtual format uh, for teachers, librarians, and really anyone with interest in art from picture books and how they're created. That those must be uh, really fascinating conversations. Really like the uh, the Mazda Gallery itself. Um, focusing that that emphasis on uh, those artworks that so easily can go sort of overlooked or taken for granted. Exactly. Uh, it's amazing to see the, the way, the history behind uh, these artists and their creating and their, their process and just their talent uh, in, in their ability to share uh, this wonderful gift uh, with all that has interest. So again, that will be happening on Zoom as well. And uh, how do folks uh, register for that? Uh, you can also register uh, for that conference, the weekend conference on our Mazza website. Um, and it too, uh, if you register and can't attend the entire conference, it too will be uh, taped. Uh, and you can uh, have access to that for the next three months. Very good. Uh, a couple of other things that are that are coming up later on in the month that will uh, highlight. You've got a, a Tales for Tots uh, event on. It says you're on the 17th, and that again going to be virtual. Uh, talk about this uh, program. So uh, on the 17th, the Tales for Tots program is a uh, program for young young children, preschool age, and and uh, smaller okay um the topic for this one is the very noisy bear uh is what will be shared and there's generally music uh story time uh and it's just a, a wonderful short program for children of of a very young age and again uh gonna be happening virtually 
And uh, then uh, there's a Mazza Artist Monthly uh, program that you have. And again, it's coming up at the end of the month. So actually a little after Thanksgiving uh, is the uh, week after Thanksgiving, I think, uh, on this. Talk about that program. Yeah, so the Mazza Artist Monthly is really a new program that we just started since COVID uh, became part of our lives. And it's where we take an uh, an interview, an author and an illustrator of a newly published book hmm. um, and ask questions. And it really becomes a conversation between the two of them on how they created uh, things that maybe they would have done differently, um, how surprised they were when they saw the artwork, when the author got to see the artwork for the first time. Mm-hmm. And if they had any conversation during the whole process, some do, some don't. Yeah. I, I would imagine that is really an interesting because uh, you know, putting together a a picture book is a little bit different than writing a novel, even if you're collaborating with another author. Because we've talked with uh, authors in the past who have collaborated on novels or uh, even history books and, and things like that. This is a very different type of collaboration, I would imagine. Indeed. And most times the publisher keeps the author and the illustrator separated. Um but there have been some of of the authors and illustrators that we've interviewed that have worked on books before, and so they do uh, very much stay in contact. Um, this upcoming interview will be of a husband and wife uh, duo. <laughs> so the and publisher so, couldn't really keep them apart. No, and yeah. so it'll be interesting <laughs> to, I think they may be a little uh, bit more free to share yeah. uh, thoughts on each other's uh, part so, in the book. So again, like the other programming, that is uh, virtual. Yes. Yeah. So uh, more information uh, on that on the uh, Mazza Museum website. We have that all linked up at uh, our webpage. But again, this Sunday, the uh, first of the uh, Fun Day Sunday events. And for those who aren't familiar with Fun Day Sunday, like we said, this is a a monthly thing. It's what the uh, first, generally the first Sunday of the month, right? Correct. And we're grateful for uh, Farmers Merchant State Bank and Taylor Automotive uh, to helping uh, to sponsor that Fun Day Sunday program this year. So again, Wild Ohio is the theme for this Sunday. You can learn more about it at our webpage, goodmornings.net. And uh, for those who have never been uh, to the museum, um, like I said, you are uh, you are accepting visitors and guests? Yes, we're open. Uh, we're re- requesting masks uh, in any place on campus. Right. Uh, but we're open our regular hours, and we'd love to have you stop in and see us. The artwork is still changing, uh, and uh, we have folks there to share uh, about the artwork that it, you see. It really is a community treasure, and uh, you can get, as we said, get more information about it at our webpage. Ben Sapp, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Thanks so much. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks again to all of our guests for joining us on the program, of course. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. That is goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow, we'll get a preview of the second week, high school football playoffs. And, of course, more recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. That and a lot more to do to finish up the week. Until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.